Glean podcast, the fastest hour of the week. We're glad to have you with us tonight, and we trust that uh, something that we share tonight will uh, give you some insight into the Word of God, into church life. Um, I think a lot of times we we focus on the Word of God, which is at the utmost importance, but sometimes we fail to realize that there's a, a church culture, a, a church lifestyle, a mindset when you become a true believer of God. And, you know, in the times we live in now, there's, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of people that used to attend church that don't. Uh, there's a plethora of reasons why they don't. But, um, you know, I always go back to the scripture where it says that to forsake not the assembling together of like fellowship. There's things that you can get in church that you can't get sitting at home. There's you can't get it sitting in, uh, you know, your your living room watching something online all the time. Uh, there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, social media, YouTube, different platforms that offer. Uh, tools just like we're doing now to minister and discuss topics, but it does not replace being in the house with fellow believers, like-minded people that are searching for answers in the word of God. And, you know, uh, a scripture also where it says that the oil talking about the anointing runs down Aaron's beard and it goes from the beard down to the uh, corners of the garment where it's talking about there is the anointing runs down Aaron's beard. That represents headship. There's things that God's going to want to speak to you that he's not going to tell you by yourself. He's going to speak those things through your pastor. And, you know, we could get into a whole subject, but we, we went uh, back a few weeks ago. We, we had two different a podcast on the deconstruction of the church, the pros and the cons. There are some good things and bad things about it. And I do understand there may be some people watching, but you, you just don't understand what I went through at my church. Well, we're, we're going to discuss them those things tonight. But if you're watching online tonight, and maybe you go to a church, but you're not happy there, you're frustrated, you don't feel like you're learning, the first thing, the absolute first thing that you need to do is you need to seek the face of God. You need to seek God, not about, well, should I leave the church, but God, what in my life is hindering me from hearing your voice? Because a lot of times we get caught up in so many things. We get caught up in uh, the, you know, the rumor mill that goes around a lot. We may hear some things or not understand some things, and it may cause some hurt that causes us not to hear from God because we're we're holding unforgiveness or some things like that. So I always like to tell people, it, before you leave a church, make sure that you're right. Make sure that, that you're right with God and that you're hearing his voice clearly, and make sure that God himself is the one that tells you to leave or to stay, and don't do it through because of anybody else. You know, I, I one of the saddest things uh, that I, I I hear a lot is I hear adults that will say, "Well, we go to such and such church, and we're not happy there, but they have a great children's department," or we go to this church because, well, that's just where my wife wants to go. Well, if you understand the the order how the the home will be held accountable. The wife will not stand accountable for where you went to church. The husband will. The husband is the head of the house, just like Jesus is the head of the church. And the husband needs to make that decision. And, you know, yes, I believe, and I am all for excellent children's departments. I believe that we should have a children's departments that teach the word of God, that love these children, that minister to them. But at the same time, if the parents are starving in the sanctuary because they're not being fed the word of God just so their children can flourish, what's going to happen when the children get older? They're going to be in the same place that their parents are. 
and they're not going to fully grow in the things of God. And what we're going to discuss tonight is, like I say, there's there's different rabbit trails, so to speak, that you could go into. But uh, there's five main reasons when we went through with Barna and Pew Research. Uh, most of you are familiar with them. They do uh, different kind of polls, researching uh, with church, different all different kind of topics, whether it's demographic or culture related or you know different things like that. But we grabbed five of the main. We may, if time allows, there's one extra one that we may get into. But we're going to go through these tonight just a little bit so that you understand because in the 1940s, the 70, 76%, excuse me, uh, of people in the 1940s that were, were surveyed, 76% of the households had going to church, attending church, and being part of a church, 76% of families surveyed said that that was a top priority, that it was fundamental that they were in a, a church and in a church family, and that was very important to them. But now when you look into, I think one of the last surveys that was done was 2018 and then 2020, that has fell to below 36% of households in America deem church as a top priority. So it's not all people's fault. Uh, there are churches out there that have gone in error, have missed direction, and, and, and got off of the course where God has called them. But we're going to go through these tonight and just discuss these a little bit, and maybe this will give you insight. I know we've got a, I see a lot of our church folk online, and, and we love all of y'all, and we know y'all love, love us. We've we got a pretty awesome uh, church here, a body of believers, a family. We're here for each other. We support each other through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, uh, you know, that's just not something you get outside of church. It's not uh, some of you, you know, we've been through tragedies in our own personal life. And, you know, the church family is always there. They just swoop right in to, to, to uh, love on you, to pray with you, to encourage you, to strengthen you. And, you know, those things are just priceless, and that's part of being the church. is part of being who God called us to be. So we're going to get into these uh, just a little bit here, uh, and Josh is going to read these off. Uh, he's got the list, and um, we're just going to kind of discuss these things and uh, just kind of be raw and real as you're watching this tonight. And, you know, some of you may look at some things and uh, – you say, well, you know, I, I could relate to that or I could see that. But we're going to do that and we're going to line it up with the Word of God and we'll hopefully give some insight to you on what it is that people are looking for and what it is that we as believers need to stand guard against because there's things that we have to stand guard against because if we don't, the enemy will come in and he'll pull us away and get us out of the house of God. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons we have seen that decline in the church. But, Josh, if you got that first one, let's go ahead with it. Yeah, so the first one is the shift in beliefs or spirituality. A shift in beliefs and pers or personalities, a spirituality. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that we have to look at is, is uh, and I think this is another reason we'll get on down but a lot of these reasons overlap uh is we we have a uh the internet technology the era that we're in now there's so much information readily available if you just get on uh, any search engine whether it's google youtube uh, uh any of those and you begin to ask questions uh, there's a plethora of articles and people preaching and teaching their variations of things. And I believe, you know, that uh, when you when you do that, it, like I said earlier, it's good to, to get online. Uh, there's a lot of good ministers out there, but there's also a lot of people teaching false doctrine and teaching uh, unbiblical things and calling them truths. 
you know, I believe we live in a day and a time where um, people are, are there. We're in a, a I believe, a, a, a transition area because I believe probably from the late 90s into the 2000s when technology really began to boom, you could see a, a transition there to where people were looking for answers, not so they would be right. It was to find answers that would justify or okay the sin that they lived in. Um, but now we, we're beginning to see a shift with everything that's going on in the world we're beginning to see a shift where people want to know the truth, and the truth is the Word of God. They want to understand what God's Word says, and they want to live it because when you look at the things that are going on in this world, you know, pandemics and uh, shortages of food and, and different things like that and wars and rumors of wars, it makes people uneasy, the, the economical uh situation that our country's in where our government's talking about the lowest unemployment and low in inflation and all these things. But yet you and I that live in reality, um, you know, we see it a different way because we're the ones it affects. We're the ones that are having to pay these prices and deal with these complications and frustrations, not them because they live in their little glass dome of DC and, you know, uh, they're, oblivious to what's going on with us it don't affect them it does us so i believe people are beginning to wake up to that but also on the flip side of that there's been a lot of people have shifted into a muslim faith a buddhist faith different things like that and then there's some that have even just said that they're just they're just spiritual they don't be necessarily believe that there's a god they just believe that uh the universe as a whole has a higher power um, and there's forces that we'll never understand. And, you know, they get into all this weird stuff, I'd say, for lack of better words. But, you know, they get into these things where uh, it, it, it's hard for people to, to grasp a concept because of technology, I believe. And I believe maybe even before then that, how is there a God when we can't see it? Because all our life, when you go through school and you go through life, you know, the, 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 the crust, crutch of everything is proof. Where's the proof? And, you know, if we see it, yeah, we'll believe it. But like Jesus said to Doubting Thomas, he, you know, he told Doubting Thomas when he didn't believe the disciples, when they were talking about they had seen Jesus, and all of a sudden, Jesus appeared through a wall, and he looked at Thomas, and he said, put your uh, fingers in my nail-pierced hands, uh, touch my sides where I was pierced. And, you know, Thomas went on to say, Lord, it is you. And he said, uh, you know, blessed are you, Thomas, but highly, more highly blessed are those that believe but have not seen. I have not seen Jesus as a person. I have not seen him in a, a vision or, or, you know, anything like that, but I have experienced things in my life, miracles taking place, healings, uh, you know, different things happening where I, I know without a shadow of a doubt that there is a God that loves me and there is a God that wants the best for my life. And, you know, that this world, according to the Bible, is going to end and when this world ends, there's only two options you have, that you have heaven and you have hell. So you, you're only going to have that one choice. And, you know, a lot of people, we get this word spirituality and we get religion. And, you know, I talked about that a few podcasts earlier that, yeah, I'm not in religion. I, 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 I get sick of hearing religion. I get sick of hearing denomination because you've got one denomination believes this way and they're arguing with this denomination and this denomination don't like those two and they're arguing and, and talking about them when the bottom line is is to win souls. You know, it, it's one thing for me to talk to people about the full depth of my beliefs, but it don't do any good if they don't have a foundational understanding of Jesus and how he is the chief cornerstone 
And everything I believe is built based on Jesus being the cornerstone. He's the cornerstone. You say, what do you mean by that? He was crucified. He was buried and he rose again. And it says when he rose again, he had the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And if I believe on him with all my heart and I confess him as Lord and Savior, then when the end comes, I'm not going to hell. I'm going to spend eternity with my Lord and Savior in heaven. So that comes out of relationship. And, you know, people get into religion where religion is, is a problem. It is. There's a lot of people that are religious. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, that was their problem. They were so religious that when Jesus himself was walking amongst them, they did not believe that that's who he was. And we see that a lot today. There has People have gotten so religious or so super spiritual that they don't even see the simple things that Jesus is doing in our lives, in our country, in our nation from day to day. They don't see those things because they're caught up in looking for the big wows instead of the small whispers. And, you know, that's where I believe we, we get into that spirituality and things is we're beginning to see now that these other beliefs don't work because Buddha, you can, you can find his grave. You can go visit Buddha at his grave and he's in his grave. Muhammad is still in his grave. Harry Krishna is in his grave. You know, all these different leaders that claim to be a high uh, spiritual piety or spiritual power, they're dead and in their grave. But Jesus, who said, I am the Messiah, you can go to his grave and he's not there. He's gone and he's risen. That's what I believe on. That's what I hang everything on is the fact that my Savior is he's risen. He's not in his grave. So I have to live my life according to those beliefs and those standards and try not to get caught up in all these, you know, arguments over all this stuff, because you could argue spirituality and different beliefs in religion from here to the, to the end of eternity, which eternity never ends. And everybody's going to have a different viewpoint. But we have to look at the word of God. And at the end of the day, God's word is truth and everything else is a lie. So, you know, people looking into different religions, I believe as we go into the next few, there's reasons why. You know, why why did people look at other religions? Well, some, and this is uh, one of the reasons, but not one that we have on our sheet, but one that uh, Barna and Pew had put out was, you know, the irrelevance. And yes, there's a lot of churches that are not relevant to today. Now, before y'all want to hang me up and, and crucify me, um, you can't change the word of God. He said, I'm God and I change not. God's word never changes, but your, your method has to change. You know, I, I know that there's still churches that are, you know, if, if we still done church here today, like we did, you know, when this church first started and we had one little piano and an organ and we sung out of a hymn book. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But what you're failing to realize if you're still doing that is you're losing that young generation because that's not the style of music. That's not the, the, the things that, that entice them to come, you, you have to be more relevant, you know, and I've even noticed, uh, you know, for years I led praise and worship and there's a style that I liked. And I've noticed even as I've gotten older that the style that's everybody's going after now with praise and worship is not necessarily what I like, but we have to shift. Why? Because there's another generation that needs to experience the presence of God. They need to experience God, and they need to be able to do it in their uh, generation and not try to pull this generation, this young generation, back in and demand that they live in my generation. You know, I see things like, uh, 
you know, people that still think that you have to wear a suit and tie to church. Well, there's nothing wrong with a suit and tie. You know, if you want to wear a suit and tie to church, then praise God. But if the man beside you don't wear a suit and tie, why should you condemn him? Why should you shun him or think that he's not uh, able to or, or worthy to be in a church? You know, because last time I checked, the anointing in God does not move on people based on what they're wearing. Because if it's in a three-piece suit, then my question would be, well, if God moves on people in three-piece suits, then how did he move on people before three-piece suits were invented? You see, it's not about that. So we get sometimes caught up in that. Now, I'm not saying, and don't go out and say that Pastor Wesley said you could just come any old way you want. You know, you need to cover up. You need to be modest. But, you know, if, if all you have is a pair of shorts and a T-shirt, but you need Jesus then who am I to turn you away? You know, who am I to tell you that you, you can't come in because you're not dressed appropriately? Let's let you find Jesus. Let's introduce you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I can promise you, your dress will automatically change. So, you know, we get caught up in these things, and people will leave a church over music. They'll leave a church over the dress code because they don't feel like, you know, women can't wear makeup and have to have hair a certain length and have to have a dress all the way down to their ankles, you know, wear a turtleneck, you know, all year round you can't see their, their neck, God forbid. We have to get out of these ruts because these are holding people back and th these people are being pushed away because they don't want to dress that way, they don't want to look that way. So... We have to understand that we have to change with times. You know, I'm not wearing, uh, uh, you know, my hair the way I wore it back in the, the 80s. You know, hairstyles have changed. You know, so we have to look at those things. But there's people get caught up on men have to have beards. Men can't have beards. Men need long hair, but no, men need short hair. Well, I've not read anywhere in the scripture where I have to have my hair a certain length. Jesus loves you just the way you are, and us as the church needs to be receptive of people just the way they are, but love them enough that they begin to understand that Jesus wants to change them and mold them and make them into what he's called them to be. Uh, another big reason uh, with the spiritual shift is in the church there's been a lot of uh, hypocrisy or moral failure. You know, I mean, there for a while, it seemed like every time you turn the TV on, somebody, uh, a leader in a church was falling to some kind of immorality or some kind of sin, but yet at the same time, they were in the pulpit preaching against the very thing that they were doing. And, you know, I, I believe it was my dad said, uh, I believe that was, I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to give, because he's watching, I'm going to give you credit for this and whether you actually the one that said it or not. But if you find a preacher always preaching on one subject constantly against this, against, 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 then more than likely that's something he's struggling with. And sometimes we find preachers that all they do is want to browbeat people, what they're doing wrong, this, this, and this. And we create this culture of people growing up thinking, well, if I become a Christian, then I have to look at this whole list of uh stuff I can't do. And we need to, we need to shift that back into look at what we can do. Look at what we can have, what we, we can claim when we serve God. Because what I have found in my life is the deeper I go in God, the easier it gets for me not to fall in sin. The closer I stay to him, the further away from sin I want to be. And we need to we need to get that spiritual shift back to where we don't have people uh, straddling the fence. You've got one one leg in the church and one leg in the nightclub. You've got one leg into heaven and one leg holding on to the world. And we've got to create a culture where people say, "I want to be so immersed, so deep into God, so close to Him that I even forget what the things of the world look like." And when you be, 
get when you get that attitude, then you become a person that people say, you know what? That looks like a real Christian. That looks like a person that I want to be like because you're treating people with respect. You're being courteous. You're showing the love of God without compromise. And, you know, I believe that's another reason with the big shift spiritually and seeing all that is the church has tried to compromise so that we could draw that crowd. We've tried to adjust what God's word says so that we could fill up the churches and, and, and you know, pack it out. So when we, it's kind of like, I guess, bragging rights, you know, because, you know, I've been places before with other pastors and there'd be a whole crowd of pastors there. And the one question that every pastor has to ask is, how many members you got? You know, and they say, well, I got 3,000. Well, I got 2,200 and I got this and I got that. And you get to these smaller churches and you can almost watch their countenance fall. Well, well I got 100. You know, because they treat it as, well, if you don't have as many as we do, then you're not up to the, up to snuff or up to the same level we are. And when you do those things, it causes people to pull away and feel hurt like they don't have a shot and that God loves this person more than he loves this one or God thinks more highly of this church than he does of that one. And it's not that. You do what God's called you to do. If, if there's a preacher on here watching tonight, you, you may be watching tonight and you may feel discouraged because maybe you're your church is not but 80 members or 100 members. But let me tell you, you preach to those 80, you preach to those 40, you preach to that 100 just like it was a cathedral full of people. You preach to them because that may have been what God called you to. It may be a 100-member church, but you preach to that small crowd just like you would a big crowd because in the end, God loves the small crowd just as much as he does that, that big crowd. And you preach the truths of God's word. And when you begin to preach the truth, light exposes darkness. And you'll begin to see the things that, hey, I need to maybe work on this. We need to adjust that. And I don't want people to think, well, uh, Wesley thinks they've got it all together down there at Glenning Mission. No, we're far from that. But in our pursuit of God, in our pursuit of doing what he's called us to do, yeah, we may try some things and we may, they may not work, uh, you know, but we're going to keep moving forward. One of the statements I like to make for our church is we're not a church for everybody, but we are a church for anybody. What do you mean by that? Well, everybody is not going to like this church. Everybody that comes is not going to stay, but anybody is welcome to come into this house. Anybody is welcome to come in to Gleaning Mission Church. And when they come in, they're going to be welcomed. They're going to be loved on. And, you know, if they want to stay, praise God. If they don't, I like to do my level best to help them find somewhere where they can feel planted and they can feel a part of. So the spirituality thing is we can change that as a church, but we've got to get back to preaching the word. Not our, our variation of it, not our... Uh, I got to preach it this way so I don't step on this person's toes or I don't make that person mad. We've got to preach the unfiltered word of God at whatever cost it takes because in the end, the truth is all that matters, not your church size. Awesome. Um, so next question is busy lifestyles. And I hear this quite frequently. It's like, I don't have time. Yeah. I, I think, and, and I talked about this a little bit the other night, we live in a, a culture now, uh, you know, when I was growing up and even when I had, uh, my wife and I had children, you know, it was a choice for my wife and myself for my wife to stay at home. Uh, we didn't, you know, we lived in a very small house. I think our, our house was, it was a little less than a thousand square feet. Um, you know, we didn't have the high end cars, but we had decided as a husband and a wife that we wanted to, to live off of my income and my wife stay at home and raise our children. You know, that was kind of the home I lived in, you know, but, 
uh, in today's society with the, the cost of everything, you know, uh, I noticed the other day I, I've seen this and, uh, I know Josh would, you still having kids in school and some of you watching online that do the first day that those kids come home from school, they've already got parents asking for money. You know, you got field trips and this and that where used to, when we were in school, a lot of stuff was covered already. You, you didn't have to go out and spend all this amounts of money so that your kids could go do things at school. It was already taken care of through our tax dollars, which that's a podcast for another time. But everything costs so much now that it takes both parents. And I believe that's one attack from Satan. Satan has been involved with this to where it's our, uh, our monetary system is, is so messed up and our economic system that it takes two parents working to raise a family. And, you know, they, we get so busy and, you know, I think that was the big reason why you've seen the decline with a midweek service is, you know, like in our small town of Oakborough here, used to years ago, we had two very large knitting mills, uh, textile mills here. And a lot of people worked there. There was some other businesses here, uh, you know, and people would get off at a decent time. They had a short commute home from work. They would eat supper, change clothes, and then they, they would be able to come to church. Um, and the kids didn't have this four and five hours of homework. But now most parents have a, a minimum of a 45-minute drive, and then they've got to go buy daycare, pick the kids up, get the kids home. They've got to fix a meal. The kids have to do all their homework. You know, so they're, they're, the parents are working till 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock, by the time they drive home and get supper done, it's 8 o'clock. Now it's time to do a little homework, take showers, and go to bed. I believe all of these things were implemented by uh, the enemy. The enemy put these things in, and then we, we have so many other things to where people are so busy. There's so many clubs and so many uh, sports events and all these things, which none of these things are bad at all because I believe that sports helps our children develop, uh, you know, teamwork skills, team building skills, how to work out problems with their peers, things like that. Uh, you know, I think all these things are great, but when that priority goes to that over the house of God, you see a new generation grow up to where when Barna and Pew done their research, it's declined to 32% of families think that it's important to go to church. Why? Because there's so many other things, so everything's so busy, you know, that we have took God and put them over here in a box because, yes, you don't have to go to church to be saved. It, it doesn't say that you have to ask Jesus into your heart and go to a local church and then you'll be saved. But it's like I've always said, you, you know, my family, we live in a house. That house is not my family, but it's nice for a family to have somewhere to go. It's nice to be able to go into my home with my wife and my children and spend time together because we love each other. And it's the same with the church building. Yes, we're the body. We are individually the members that make up the church, but it's nice to have somewhere to go to fellowship and what we we have seen with this busy lifestyle is, you know, there's so much going on that church has fell down the, the rung of priorities. And, you know, my heart goes out to people, you know, that still has kids in school trying to, to fit in this and fit into that. But, you know, the culture changed. And, you know, I'm not really sure it was beginning to shift even with, well, I know it was with my kids. But, you know, when I was growing up, you didn't have uh, sports events on Wednesday nights. That's church night. And there was no way under the sun, God forbid, that nobody talk about having some kind of sports event on a Sunday. You didn't. But now, because there's so many options out there, that it, the culture has shifted, you know, to think that it's okay 
that, well, I don't have to go to church. I, I don't need that. But what you find out is you're not growing fully in the Word of God. You're not growing in His truths, and you're missing out on a church culture, a family that'll be there for you, that that loves you, that will encourage you and strengthen you. So, you know, I believe that sometimes the busyness has gotten us, and when you talk about busyness, another term I think of is noise. You know, I think about when stuff's busy, if you go into the busy streets of a downtown, all you hear is noise. You know, everything is noisy. Um, but when you you get away maybe into a small uh, community like we live at out in the country, at late at night, it's quiet. And you see, God's not in the noise. God is in the quiet. And when we get so busy with life, there's so much noise Sometimes that we fail to hear the word of God and we fail to hear what God's saying to yeah, us. Yeah, I think that you said something in there. It's just priorities. People have to put an emphasis yeah. on the word of God and the church. Yeah. There's a reason why you need church. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why you should attend a church. These are reasons that would help benefit you and to bless you. Yeah. And so I feel like that if people would put those priorities in place that they would work and benefit them and they would see the benefit of it. Yeah. Not the negative portion of it. Right. And that, you know, that's the the thing, you know, and I know some people have said to me, well, you, you, you grew up a preacher's kid. You, you was a PK. You, you always, you, that's just what you do as church. But it's the whole thing of when you understand what church is besides just the building it's the, the, the friends I've made, the, the family that I've, I've met and call family now because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't just have one natural brother. You know, I have one natural brother that I can call and talk to. I have one natural mom and dad that I can go to. But at the same time, I have a whole church family of brothers and sisters and some elderly people that I consider spiritual fathers and mothers that I can go to and they can pray with me and encourage me. We laugh together. Those things, you you can't put a value on that. And, you know, we want our children in these last days, we, we want God to move in our children. We want revivals to break out in our schools and these things. Uh, and that's why I was talking about earlier, you know, children's departments are great. I think that that is a phenomenal thing to have children's departments. But at the same time, I think it's hurt us in a sense. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a, an awesome children's department, but it's hurt us to a sense that now children are in children's church and they get a small lesson, they get a little snack, and then they get playtime, and they're not understanding what it is to sit in the presence of God, sit in a service where God is moving, and if you're not familiar with move, God moving, if you're not familiar with how he speaks, then how is he going to move in that young generation if they don't know him, if they don't know how he operates and how he does things, they're not going to be aware of it. So, you know, that's why here, you know, on our fourth Sunday, we always um, do a fourth Sunday is our family Sunday. You know, I, I want as a family our, our church to be together. So that means all classes are canceled on our fourth Sunday and um, the kids come out and sit with their parents. You know, I think that that's great time. Uh, it's, you know, praise and worship and preaching is an hour and a half. You know, that's quality time. How, what, what better time to spend with your children than for your children to watch a mother and a father soaking in the word of God as a, uh, as parents and as a family, God blesses that God honors that because God is the one that initiates or initiated family. God is the one that, that called family into being That's not just family's not just something that people created over time. God created family. So, you know, I believe that that's something that is very important is, is making sure that we spend that quality time in God's house. All right, we got three more here. We just need to run through these pretty quick. This is one we sort of talked about with the uh, 
deconstruction of the church and, and church culture is uh, negative church experiences. And I think if we would all be honest, every single one of us watching tonight, <laughs> we've all had this experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think in the, that church deconstruction, uh, you know, that, that the phrase I talk about most of the time is church hurt. And, you know, uh, I, I, I just don't like that term. I, I, it, it, you know, it, it, you get your feelings hurt. Well, okay, that's fine. You know, grow up. Uh, I'm not saying that there's some legitimate hurts out there, but I believe because we've titled it church hurt, then anytime somebody don't like the way something goes, they, well, I got hurt at church. Well, that's just an excuse. You know, it's an excuse. I mean, if, if you, uh, if you got a brother or a sister, you know, I mean, me growing up, my brother was five years older than me or he is five years older than me, you know, believe it or not, there was times he hurt my feelings, but I didn't leave that family. I didn't pack it. Well, I'm moving out. I'm going to go live with the family down the street, the Smith's house down two blocks down. They, they look pretty cool. I'm going to go down there. No, we worked out our differences. We worked out our problems. And, you know, I think that that's a big thing the church is missing is the failure to communicate. You know, and I'm one of those, as a pastor, I fully believe in killing a gnat with a sledgehammer. Absolutely. It, you know, if, if I believe that there's an issue going on between two different families, before that day's over, I'm going to do my level best to have met with that family to discuss. Not that I'm mad at either one of them. It's that I love them both. And I know that if we don't, you know, get to the bottom of this, one of them or both of them may leave. And then when they leave, they may take other people. So, you know, as the pastor, as the shepherd, I have to protect the sheep. Sometimes it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not, you know, the, the favorite thing to do, it's not the fun thing to do, but I still have to do that. Why? Because I understand what church culture and church family means. The church has done a, an injustice by not squashing stuff faster and quicker. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's, I'm not, you know, anybody that I've ever counseled, I always tell people, it's, I guess it's my famous line, <laughs> whether it's marriage counseling, finance, financial counseling, any of that, because some of you may not realize that, but when you become a pastor, uh, you don't get really qualified for all of it, but you become, you know, uh, a grief counselor. You a become, yeah, you know, a financial advisor. You become Swiss a, Army knife. yeah, you got to be a Swiss Army knife. And it's all by the grace of God. But I always tell people, listen, I'm not here to give you my opinion because my opinion doesn't amount to anything. But what I am going to give you is I'm going to give you the word of God because I've made mistakes in my life. But when I went to the word of God and I've done it the way God said, it worked. So I always tell people, you know, I'm going to give you the word of God. You can never go wrong giving people the word of God, even if it hurts their feelings. And I've always said this, I would rather hurt your feelings and offend you now, but you've see the error of your ways, you repent and go to heaven than to try to love you here and not hurt your feelings and keep seeing you going down a path of destruction and then you end up in hell. Yeah, I think some people just have the disillusion that every church is perfect. That's far from the truth. We're all imperfect people trying to live a perfect life. and yeah. The church is uh, j just one aspect of it. I think it's us as a, in general, me as a believer, to do my part and my portion to make sure I do right by others. I, you know, I try to squash the, the, the negative things that are going on in and around. Uh, I, you know, I don't allow the gossip to take place. It's, it's, it, solely it goes back to each individual that represents, in, in quotes here, the whole church. So um, it's, it's everybody's portion and part to do, to do what they're supposed to do to help better the church, to make it where it doesn't look disillusioned or disfranchised, mm -hmm. and to bring hope to people. And we can only do that if we're in unity and we're working together and we're guided by the Word of God. Yeah. And that's, you know, uh, that's when, when we have to realize, and I think everybody watching online, we, we have to realize that none of us are perfect. You don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. Josh doesn't have it. Ha, ha, he doesn't have it all together. 
we're all imperfect. We're flawed beings that serve a perfect and flawless God. And through his grace and mercy, that's how we keep going. And, you know, that was one of my biggest things, you know, growing up. And then I've passed that on as I've been raising children was, you know, with my parents, if they corrected us or done something and they were wrong, they were always very quick, you know, well, hey, look, I, I missed it there. I, I overreacted and, and I apologized. And, you know, I, I there was a, a time or two that I overcorrected my children out of anger, not not abusing them, not to the point of abuse, but, you know, maybe went a little overboard with a correction. And the Holy Spirit, would he would always jerk the slack out of my chain, and I would go back to my children and say, look, I missed it. I, I made a mistake. And, you know, how simple would that be in the body of Christ if somebody says something out of the way to you? Did to go to them and say, hey, man, I didn't really appreciate that. You know, just by dialogue, now if they say, well, look, you just got to get over it, that's on them. But at least you know where they stand. But you never know, you know, on your way to church, you and your wife may have uh, sung there's joy in my heart and oil in my lamp all the way here, you know, or I've got joy, joy, joy down in my heart. You may have done it all the way here and it might've been sunshine and butterflies flying around your car all the way here. But sister, uh, so-and-so and her husband, they might've played hell getting to church that morning. You don't know what they went through or what has happened. And maybe they're having some difficulties. So, you know, if somebody treats you a little little off or a little harsh, always step back and consider the source. It's not the person, it's the enemy trying to cause division. Let's move to the next question. Next question is uh, access to information. Um, the Internet's a profound thing. Yeah, I, I would like to say to everybody watching tonight, uh, the church in the United States is almost going to face what the church looks like in Europe if we don't start correcting some of the things. And then we're why I say that is because I had an opportunity to go to uh, Scotland, and over there, I saw a lot of agnostic-type stuff. The churches, all these beautiful churches are now becoming bars or nightclubs or dance clubs. Beautiful churches, just gorgeous. Um, that, that had a thriving congregation back in the day. And um, there's just so much information now that the, the, the American church, if we, don't, if we don't do our due diligence— proclaim the gospel, live the gospel, be the gospel, then we're going to be subjected to this right here of just allowing all this information to come in. We need to be the information, not ever, not all the other noise. We need to be the information. Uh, we need to be sharing the gospel with people. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of those things where the, the Internet, uh, just like social, let's just take social media uh, just for a few moments. There's a lot of people, well, social media is the devil. Social media is the devil. Well, yeah, it can be. And do I believe that that was maybe why it was created? Uh, so they can get all of our information and they can uh, begin to tell us certain things and we believe them and all these things. Because, you know, one thing I have found is there's a lot of keyboard warriors, you know, out there that they, they big and bad behind the keyboard. But if you'd meet them out on the street, they ain't going to say nothing. Um, and it's caused a lot of problems with a lot of different people. And I always tell people, if you, you can't handle uh, people com their, their comments or what they post on social media, then don't get on it. You know, um, I, I've noticed uh, people post stuff out there and then get mad when somebody comments on it when they're the one that asked for comments. It's like, wait a minute, you asked for comments. You didn't ask for people only that agreed with you to comment. You said you wanted comments. And if somebody disagreed, well, then they get mad, and then they get their friends or other keyboard warriors to team up on them. And that's been done to me, you know. Uh, I even, <laughs> back uh, in 2019, I actually had a pastor on social media. He actually cussed me out. Uh, and all I was doing was every response, I would respond back with a scripture. I didn't give him my opinion. I didn't add to the scripture nor take away. I would just put down a scripture, and he finally got so mad he cussed me out. You know, um, not everybody's cut out for social media. 
But even though there's a lot of bad that happens on social media, look at what God can do through social media because there's many of you watching tonight, you know, through social media. You found out about our podcast through social media. You know, so just because it's a tool of the enemy does not mean God can't take that tool that the enemy meant for bad and turn it so that we can use it for good. And, you know, be careful, though. Uh, I, I started on this a little bit earlier, but didn't want to go too far into it. Don't listen to everybody that you find on social media that calls themselves a preacher or a prophet. Make sure that what you're listening to lines up with the Word of God. And if you're full of the Holy Spirit, and you should be, always ask the Holy I believe the Holy Spirit will let you know because I've been listening to preachers before and maybe like the direction they're going, but all of a sudden they'll say something and, and just right in here it'll be like, uh-uh, no, that's, that, that's not right. And I'll go and I'll start searching out the scriptures and I'll find through what I'm seeing of the scriptures, no, nope, that's not right. And here's the thing that you have to understand, uh, and this is a big thing because that uh, Yuval Harari, that's uh, Klaus Schwab's head physician or whatever, he has said that AI would rewrite the Bible and it would correct the incorrections of the Bible so that it would speak truths. Now, first of all, that ought to get anybody a red flag because the Word of God is the truth. It is the inerrant Word of God. You, you can't add to it. You cannot take away from it. And I know some people, well, there's different translations that's this and different translations that. I think God's smart enough. Believe it or not, he's smarter than you. He's smarter than me. And I believe God knew what scriptures would be uh, taken out of context, what few scriptures may be interpreted a little different with a different view. But in the end, the Bible preaches a Savior that was sent to die, the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I wouldn't have to, so that we could accept him, be born again, and live forever. That's what has to be preached. And when we begin to understand that, yeah, there's people out there that are teaching weird stuff and people that are teaching wrong things. There's still a lot of people that get on here on a weekly basis, just like we're doing, and we do our level best to preach the Word of God just like it is in the Bible and the way the Spirit guides us. So, yeah, there's a lot of information out there, and there's a lot of people that, well, it's this way or it's that way. You know, it's the same as, you know, people that get on there and preach that the Holy Spirit's gone, that you shouldn't speak in tongues, and that healing's not for today. Well, that don't line up with Scripture. There's nothing in the Bible that says that the Holy Spirit is gone, that tongues are over with, or that healing is not for today. It's not in the Bible. So it's things like that you have to be careful with, you know. And a lot of people, one of the big things I've seen and I am a 100% pro-prophet. I love prophets. Prophets are sent by God. I believe that. But I also believe that because people are hungry to hear a word, they'll run everywhere, drive all over the country, and give all kinds of money so that uh, God will give them a word. Well, first of all, if you have to pay money to get a word from God, then you're dealing with a pimp. And that minister, to try to get money from you so you can get a word, that's false prophet. Don't believe a word he says. Secondly, if that prophet prophesies anything that is contrary to the written word of God, he's a false prophet. So you have to be careful with these people because like with the AI rewriting the Bible, there's going to take the truths of God's word, and they're going to mingle it with the poison of the enemy so that it seems like truth, but it's going to kill you in the end. And that's what people don't realize. You know, we were talking about this earlier before we started the podcast. Um, when you, you want to kill, if you wanted to kill a, an animal, let's say a dog, if you wanted to kill a dog, you can't just hand that dog 
a bowl full of rat poison and expect that dog to eat it. But if you take that poison and you mix it with some good meat, that dog's going to eat it. Why? Because he's tasting the meat, not realizing the poison that he's ingesting. It's the same thing with the Word of God. When these AI computers and all these begin to rewrite the Word of God, or if you get off into false doctrine, false religion, false prophets, what's happening is they put enough meat in it that it tastes good, but you don't realize the destruction and the poison that you're ingesting into your spirit that will first cause spiritual death, and then it will cause physical death. All right, last question of this evening. The changing social and cultural norms that are going on in the world. Of course, this is uh, we've seen this happen really frequently at, within the last year or so. Uh, of course, the, the LGBTQ, all those other prefixes behind it, we've seen that take advantage, but we've also seen that backfire. We've seen um, we've seen people make stands now for these these types of uh, criteria, but it's still something that affects uh, people leaving today. They're like, I don't align with it, um, and they don't agree with those types of things. But I think where people are in error of it um, is because they're not following the Word of God correctly. They're allowing everything else to influence that decision. That's just one. There's several different other agendas that are out there. Um, and denominationals are, are doing are allowing to take place and again I think it takes for the church solely to go back to Christ back to the word of God back to the Holy Spirit and living that out in detail uh, in front of people yeah I mean that's you know with the things we're facing the things that are, are coming uh, and some people uh, maybe live in a fairy tale land <laughs> Uh, but listen, and if you don't listen to anything else that I've said or Josh has said on this podcast tonight, if you don't hear anything else, listen to this. The Bible says, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. The world is not getting better. The world is getting darker. Satan is not going to go down without a fight. He's already been defeated, and he knows it, but his goal is to take as many with him as he can through deception. And we as believers, we have to stand true. You know, when you look at the movie Sound of Freedom, Sound of Freedom has broke numerous records of viewership. They're, they've got reports in big cities, especially the Demo Democrat-run cities, of where they're trying to ship people's video to. They're coming up with these excuses of why you can't see these videos and why they can't show it. Something happened, this happened, they can't download it, the Internet's down, you know, the, the air condition ain't working. But yet, even at that, that movie has just continued to make hand over fist more money than it, out, it outrun Indiana Jones, it outrun Barbie, which... If you're a Christian and took your kid to watch Barbie, you, you should repent. But that's a podcast for another day. Um, but all these things are happening. And as these things begin to be exposed, like Sound of Freedom, the, the mainstream media is trying to push against it and show that it's not doing good, but yet people know it's good. It's the same thing as Brantley Gilbert, the country singer. Yeah, he's not a Christian. And, you know, but... He wrote a song called Try That in a Small Town, and it's talking about it. what it really talking about is, is morals, getting back to, to what's right and what's wrong. They tried to go against him and shut him down, but at the same time, th that, that song it was a chart Jason topper. Aldean, right? Or yeah, Jason Aldean, I'm sorry. Um, you know, that song is still on the top of the charts, and, and you know, people are loving it. And then there was a, a guy here, a native of North Carolina. Uh, I forget. What was his name, Josh? Uh, Oliver Anthony. Yeah, Oliver Anthony. You know, yeah, that song's got some cuss words in it, and some of y'all act like you freak out when you hear a cuss word. Get real. Y'all hear them everywhere you go and every TV show you watch. You know, but what he's talking about is he's talking about what the society we're living in and how people are getting tired of it. And that's the thing. 
People are beginning to wake up, and people want to know the truth. Everything else they've tried has been a, a, a lie and a failure. They've tried to, to listen to our media and let our media, our news media, be our, our guidance and our moral compass. They've lied to us, and people are tired of it. You know, we've depended on our government, our government uh, to tell us what we can drive, how we can drive, where we can drive, what we can live in, all these different things, what to teach our children. And it's gone to the point of depravities now where they're trying to teach our children that it's oh, you don't know what gender you are yet. You, you might be a boy but want to be a girl. You know, they want to take the name father away and mother away and call us birthing parents. You know, well, not happening. It's not happening. We're going to take a stand, and people are rising up. People are waking up, and you're seeing that shift again. We, we, we're going back to a place where I believe by this time next year that when they do surveys, church is going to be on the top of people's priority list. Why? Because church has the answer. Church, I didn't say church is the answer. Church has the answer because the answer is Jesus. And until we get back to him, I like that song uh, as an old Christian group for him used to sing, we need to get back to the basics of life. And I believe that's what the church as a whole, what we need to do is get back to the basics. You know, if we've got lights and all the stuff we have here, and I thank God for what we have and the technology and the people we have that are skilled and gifted to do this stuff. But even without this stuff, we preach the word of God. And when God shows up and people's lives are changed, other people's coming. And that's the end result. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out. Stand your ground as a Christian. we got to draw that line to say enough is enough. We're not going to take it anymore. And like I spoke about Sunday night, I believe now more than ever that there's a spirit of Elijah that is coming on this remnant church, the last day church, that is going to speak the truth. And when we speak it, God's going to honor what we speak. And people are going to begin to see that there is one true and living God, and his name is Jesus Christ. Um, that was the last question, yeah. right? Um, real quick, there was a Paul, I think that's Chavez. Uh, I don't know if he's still on or not, but if you are, uh, we're, we're going to pray right now for your, uh, maybe is that your wife or, or loved one, Lorraine, that God, that right now you, you begin to touch her mind. Father, that you go into, she's having memory loss and hearing loss, and we know that these things come from the devil. They come from Satan, the father of lies, and whatever he says, there is no truth in him. But God, right where they are right now, you said in your word that you sent the word and you healed them. So, Father, right now for Lorraine, we send your word through this camera, through the airwaves. We send your healing word into her life right now. And, Father, we speak to her memory. Father, that you said in your word the Holy Spirit would bring to our remembrance. Father, the things that she's losing that the Holy Spirit would just flood her right now and begin to restore her mind and her memory. And, Father, for the he hearing, Father, that you would just go in and whatever needs to be restored, whether it's auditory nerves, eardrums, or canal, Father, that right now you would just begin to, to restore what the enemy has stolen from her with her hearing and all of her health. And, Father, he also said, to pray for their finances to be restored. Father, whatever the enemy has stolen financially from their lives, Father, that you would restore it. You said in your word, if the thief be found, and we have found him, his name's Satan, the deceiver. If the thief be found, he has to restore sevenfold. So I call for a sevenfold restoration of their finances right now in the name of Jesus. And God, we thank you for it. Thank you for your word. And thank you for performing your word so that other people will know that Jesus is the healer and God is the answer. And we give you the praise and honor for that. In your precious name we pray. Amen.
listen, guys, thank you for watching. We went a little over tonight, but thank you so much. Had a great crowd on here tonight. Um, do us a favor. Make sure you hit that like button. If you hadn't hit that like button, look, if you didn't like what we've done tonight, hit the dislike button. That's fine, too. You're not going to hurt my feelings. You know, it, if you didn't like what we've done, hit the dislikes. All right. But hit one of them. And then if after that, so I guess if you liked, if you did disliked it, you wouldn't. But if you liked it, do us a favor and share it on your social media or send it through a text, via text, to somebody that maybe you know needs to listen to this. Maybe they've got hurt in church or gotten out of church. Maybe they could listen to what we've shared tonight, and it may get a stirring on the inside of them to get into the house of God, and I believe it will. But, guys, thank you again so much for tuning in, and I speak uh, the favor of God over everyone that is watching tonight under the sound of my voice that God's blessing, his favor, and his hand be upon you this week like never before, and we'll see you again next Wednesday night. God bless.